And uh, we'll consider some thoughts from James chapter 5 here tonight and some other passages of scriptures here tonight. As we consider this thought, why do Christians suffer? There's a lot of thoughts we could bring on this, but we'll uh, again just consider some here tonight. But let's begin here in James chapter 5 and read from verse number 7 to verse number 16. James chapter 5, verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, that prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, ye count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and ye have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have uh, committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want to consider this thought here tonight. Why do Christians suffer? Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, we do thank you again uh, for this time we can meet here tonight. Thank you again for this uh, series on fiery trials and tribulations and the difficulties that all people may go through. But tonight I want to just consider here some thoughts on why we as Christians do suffer. And I pray that you just help us to see some things uh, concerning this and also uh, what are the results of suffering? What are the positive results of suffering that we can also see in the life of believers? We pray this in Jesus' name for our sake. Amen. <clears throat> this passage of Scripture talks about the coming of the Lord and the patience we need uh, for the coming of the Lord. And verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. And uh, we need to be patient with the coming of the Lord because the world isn't thinking the Lord's even going to come. But we need to be patient concerning it. And it mentions a number of things about patience in this passage. In fact, it mentions patience again here in verse number 8. It says, Be ye therefore patience establish your hearts for the coming of the lord draweth nine verse 10 it says take my brethren the prophets who have spoken unto you in the name of the lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience and so we're going to be looking at some thoughts here tonight on why christians suffer and uh, i'd like us to just uh, pray over this message as we consider it here tonight let's pray as we would Father, thank you again for your word. Just ask, Lord, that you would help us through your word to see why Christians suffer here tonight. Father, uh, there's certainly, again, suffering going around this world in, in many different places. Uh, again, uh, with different people being sick, 
people, again, uh, maybe in a place, again, in their lives where they um, are suffering as a result of sin. Uh, certainly saints, again, suffering when it comes to the Christian faith and walk. And just bless this time as we consider the word of God here tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As we consider the thoughts on suffering here tonight, I want us just to consider there are many different reasons why Christians suffer. I think of tribulations and trials. I think of persecutions. I think of sickness. Affliction is mentioned here. It mentions again, I believe, again, just by mentioning Job, it mentions uh, again that uh, the devil can come along and he can afflict and he can uh, certainly cause Christians to suffer. Uh, Christians may have pains, regular pains, medical pains, physical pains. They may have heartaches. They may have cares that others uh, may not have here tonight. But throughout life, we do suffer. And as we think about suffering, the Lord mentions some things about the coming of the Lord before he mentions some things about suffering. And I, I think, again, that gives at least Christians some degree some comfort as one day we'll reach heaven's shore and there will be no more suffering nor pain or anything along that line. And so Jesus here, the Bible teaches also experienced suffering. If you turn over to Hebrews chapter 2, uh, extreme suffering as he again came to this world to bring truth to the world. The world largely rejected him, crucified him, and uh, Certainly, again, if you uh, sometimes deliver the truth to people and you tell people the truth, you will suffer. And uh, mentions here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10, it says, For it became him, speaking of Jesus, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. He went through sufferings. Verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So it mentions the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sufferings that he went through. Jesus certainly saw, uh, endured many different uh, sufferings. Trials, afflictions, pains, heartache. Let's turn to John chapter 16. As we travel through life, we're going to endure a lot of different suffering situations. And as we go through those uh, things in life, there's a purpose, I believe, behind many times the sufferings that do come into our life. As we know, the Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to our purpose. I don't believe things come to our life uh, really by luck or by chance, but they are loud of God for different reasons. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall tribulation be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Verse 33, it says, you shall have tribulation. That's a promise. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be troubles in this world. It's good for us to know. It's good for us to remember that Jesus went and uh, had many different troubles or tribulations that he went through. And through his infinite 
wisdom and his sovereignty allows us to experience suffering to grow us and help us, not to hurt us or destroy us or harm us. So go back to our text there in, in James chapter 5. In the, the place of suffering, and certainly Jesus suffered a lot during his life, in the place of suffering, affliction, there are certain things that we should do. The Bible mentions the suffering of Job there, verse number 11. It mentions the prophets, verse number 10, as an example of uh, going through suffering. And we can talk about many of the different uh, prophets and, and Old Testament characters that went through a suffering. And uh, how, how do we get through these times of suffering? Well, look at verse number 13. It says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So the prayer should accompany the suffering that we experience. It says, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. And so if you're merry or happy, sing psalms. If you're afflicted, you should pray. It goes on, it says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so if someone's in a place of sickness, they can call for the elders of the church to pray for them. And then it says, verse 15, The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If he hath committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. And so faith and prayer coupled together can save or heal the sick. And so in times of suffering, one of the most important things we need to understand when it comes to suffering is to lead us to prayer. Not that we shouldn't pray at other times, but it's certainly to lead us to prayer. And so we'll consider here tonight, first of all, some reasons for suffering. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 here. I'm going to try to cover each of these thoughts here kind of quickly here tonight as I have a number of different points to go over. But I want to just consider some reasons that we may suffer. And the first reason I believe we may suffer is given to us here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse number 19 through Verse number 21, there's actually a couple of things that are said here, but I want to start out here with one of the things that are said here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 19. It says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience sake toward God endure grief, suffer wrongfully. For what glory is it if you be buffeted for your faults? You shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, that is accepted of God. For even here too we are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And again, the Bible mentions there in verse number 20, if you do well, it's acceptable to God. And Christ suffered because of his well-doing. And uh, we certainly could talk about that to begin with, but I want to just look at verse number 20. I don't think sometimes we look at this in verse 20. It says, For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults? Why do people suffer? Because of our faults. Your faults. My faults. We could talk about maybe the foolish decisions sometimes that we make. The bad choices or poor choices or unthought of choices that maybe we make. I think of uh, last year about this time, I'm still suffering today from something I did last year. 
You say, what are you suffering from? I still can't bend my finger fully because of something I did last year. Can you close your hands? Can't close his hand all the way. Still can't close it all the way. Someone says, well, why did that happen? I did something I probably shouldn't have done, right? I probably should ask somebody for help if I'm going to try to lift something that's pretty heavy. And if it's slippery, that's not a good idea to lift something heavy and slippery. I'm just asking for trouble. And so sometimes, what do we, why, why do we suffer? Because of sometimes the faults, the things that we do, the mistakes, the missteps, the misguided maybe decisions we make. In reality in life, I wonder how many times you suffer because of maybe things that we've just done wrong or said wrong or not done, that we should have done, then things along that line. So I wonder how many people suffer because of lack of foresight. That's not God's fault a lot of time when it comes to foreseeing something as far as the future goes. I wonder how many people suffer because of finances, not because God doesn't give us guidelines on finances, but we make maybe make a mess or uh, do some things bad when it comes to finances. Uh, again, how many people, again, suffer because of maybe something they said or maybe something they did or didn't do? We may suffer sometimes because of our faults. And uh, certainly, again, we shouldn't be in a position where we're suffering uh, for something we've done wrong, but uh, people can be in a position where they suffer for for something they do wrong because of an error, a miss, uh, mistake, or a misstep, or a miscommunication. People will maybe uh, be in a situation where they buy something and they think they're getting a good deal, and then maybe they walk out of the store and never shopped around. And I'm not saying you don't do that. I'm just saying you could do that. You could just buy something and you walk out of the store and think you got a good deal, and you you go to another store and you find out you could get it for a lot less. Buying without careful consideration, buying without counting the cost, buying without considering the risk. There's risks in business. You know, I've made mistakes when it comes to business. I could tell you about some mistakes I've made in business. I've been involved with a craft business. I've been involved with a Lego business. I've involved with a lot of different things as far as business adventures, or even with, uh, again, buying and, and reselling properties or being in a rental situation, there are certain things that, again, a person does and, and learns from. There are certain things that we do that can cause us to suffer or others to suffer. You know, someone might be in a situation and they're thinking, hey, I could just flip this house. This would work real good. I mean, I see on TV, you just buy these old houses, you fix them up, you turn around, make all kinds of money and only cost this much for labor because, you know, they maybe are... Uh, watching, you know, the home, home, home and home builders uh, channel, whatever it's called. And uh, I remember when I came here to Valley City, I think it was maybe the second or third year in, uh, I was here in Valley City and down by the college, I'm sure some of you guys would know where this is, but if you don't, you don't. But if you know where Snowy Bows is, which is, was the women's dorm, and there's a parking lot up above that, there's kind of a nice house that's across the road there, um, that's been fixed up and has a little garage on it. It has uh, a white railings, really kind of a fancy house that's been fixed up. It's a historic house. It's across from the parking lot. There's snowy bowls. It's a parking lot across the street. It's kind of a fancy house. Across the road from that house is a real fancy house. But when I came to town, that house was for sale. 
for $6,000. This was, I mean, I can't remember if it's the third year in or whatever it was. And it was like $6,000. I'm just saying a piece of land is $6,000. A house that's, you know, uh, and someone says, well, why was the house for $6,000? It's because there was this person who bought the house, gutted the whole inside of the house. I mean, carefully put all the pieces of wood in one place and all that kind of stuff. Wasn't any wiring in that. You had just the outside of the house, the shell of the house. And uh, I know the guy walked away with it. He lost money walking away with it, with it because he thought a fixer-upper would be something he could do. And after he got into it, he was like, this isn't going to work out. And so he just walked away with it. I could have picked up the property for maybe $6,000 back then, but I looked at the thing and I just say, that's a lot of work for a church planner to do. It's a lot of stuff for someone to do. And so, again, I, I stayed away from it, etc. and somebody else fixed up the house, and I, I, I know just a few years ago it sold for some $200,000, and someone says, well, you could have made a whole bunch of money on that. Yeah, but at that time in my life, that wasn't something I should have got involved with. At least I didn't think I should get involved with. Anyways, I just saying this, when it comes to buying and selling things, something could be a real good deal, but it may not be a real good deal for you or for me. And so there's a risk in business. There's a risk when it comes to Legos. I'll just say that. I mean, we buy and sell Legos, but I can tell you more and more, my son will tell you this, it's not something to get into today unless you really know what you're doing when it comes to buying and selling Legos. I'm not saying I know exactly what to do, but I've learned a lot not to do. I don't buy DC anymore. I don't buy superheroes anymore. I don't largely buy Star Wars anymore. I just totally avoid that. You say, why? Because they make dozens and dozens and dozens of the sets. And uh, when we first started in the Legos, anyways, I don't want to get into that. I mean, just about every set would double in price. You had a new box, just keep it, sell it. A year or two later, double in price. That's how it used to work. It doesn't work that way anymore. And, and uh, some things do double, but it's not everything. Anyways, um, we can suffer because of our faults or our foolish decisions. I just want to point that out. First of all, here tonight, because I think that's one of the major reasons why people suffer. I mean, today, I think that's a reason why a lot of people are suffering today, because of decisions they make, or errors or mistakes, maybe, that they make in life. I'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I can talk about student loan debt. Someone might go to school and say, you know, I'll just get a college degree, and I'll have a big paying job when it's all said and done. You may not. You may or may not. There's a lot of people today that maybe. Uh, did something along that line that got themselves in trouble. Anyways, number two, uh, the reasons why Christians suffer and also just regular people suffer is not only because of our faults, but also because of the things we do right or the stand we take as believers. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 14 and verse number 15, it says, But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, that be ashamed, that falsely accuse you of your good conversation in Christ." mentions there verse 14, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake. You know, one of the reasons I believe Christians suffer not only is for their faults or their foolish decisions, but also just for plainly just doing that which is right. 
as a Christian. You're going to find yourself getting in trouble sometimes just by doing what's right as a Christian or uh, speaking out on what's right as a believer. You know, Daniel landed in the lion's den. We looked at that. We looked at those three Hebrew men. What did they do wrong? Really nothing. Not at all. They did right. Jeremiah the prophet, how did he get in trouble? For righteousness sake. How did Joseph get in trouble? By just talking about a dream that God gave him. Sometimes we suffer simply because we say something that's right or we do something that's right and we suffer as a result of it. You know, Christians today in, in China, Vietnam, Cambodia, North Korea, I can write down all kinds of different countries, simply are suffering today because they're Christian. Not even if they're true Christians. But just because they're Christian, because they have this system of belief that, again, follows the Bible. People die for just simply worshiping Jehovah, carrying a Bible, trying to assemble in different countries around the world. People suffer for their stand for right. You know, Suffering for just doing something that's right. Unbelievers sometimes suffer for that. Think of some of the police officers now that have been hurt uh, during these demonstrations. All they're doing is standing between somebody else's property, possibly sometimes, and a building, and then someone throws a brick at them. Boy, that's nice, huh? Throw a brick at a police officer day. I'm not saying everybody's doing this, but there's some people doing this. I'm just saying, why are they suffering? Just because they're doing that which is right. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. You know, some preachers sometimes will say, you know, marriage should be this way. And all of a sudden, the media and all the world's against them and saying, you're saying again, marriage is only between a husband and a wife? You're wrong. We changed that. Hate crimes sometimes deal with, again, sometimes where someone, again, is just doing that which is right. You could be arrested, put in jail sometimes just doing right. I mean, discipline your children, right? After the Bible pattern. Try doing that in Europe, some places in Europe. Try to do that in Denmark. Try to do that in Norway, try to do that in Sweden, some of these countries. Discipline your children after the Bible pattern. Try doing that. See if you don't land yourself in jail. You could land yourself in jail possibly in the United States for doing that. You could land yourself in jail for speaking out against sodomy in Canada. That's just simply right. We sometimes suffer just for righteousness sake. Verse 14, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be always ready to give an answer for, to the man that asks you the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Have a good conscience that whereas they speak of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed, but that falsely accuse your good conversation. And so I, I believe this teaches again, you know, let's say you're put in a place for you're doing right and you're persecuted for doing right. See, Paul, James, Peter, all these guys in the New Testament. Uh, they asked those again who were persecuting, is this wrong for what we do? Is this the right thing? For, 
We're going to obey God rather than man. We're going to do that which is right. Whether it be right by you, it's right by God, that's what we're going to do. Sometimes we'll suffer for just doing right or standing for that which is right. Let's turn to First Peter chapter, I'm sorry, First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 11. Don't my First Peter verse, First Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, sometimes we will suffer. I believe also here another reason why Christians only suffer uh, in this area is because we suffer due to chastening by the hand of our Father. And I'm talking about God the Father. We suffer chastening by God the Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 31, and verse number 32, the Bible says, But if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. We are chastened of the Lord. Pointing that out. Christians are chastened of the Lord. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Was the purpose of this chastening? This purpose of the chastening is much along the same lines as the chastening maybe done by a, a father or mother in a home. And uh, that chastening, again, is to bring about a behavior in that child that will help them to be what they could be and should be for God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 here, one of the reasons sometimes Christians will suffer, and I just want to point out that Christians aren't always suffering chastening. You know, some people think if you step out of line a little bit, God's going to come along and whack you or beat you or whatever it might be. I don't believe that God does that. I don't do that with my children. God the Father never did that with his children in the Old Testament. You don't see that's how we treat the, the Jews in the Old Testament. Uh, again, when it comes to chasing God, again, again, shows us the way through several different means. Uh, notice here in verse number 5, it says, "You And ye have forgiven the exhortation which speaketh unto you as sons. Exhortation is a way to chasten. Again, that's through words. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou rebuked of him. We can certainly be reproved or rebuked of the Lord. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son he that he receiveth. And so the Bible mentions here, the Lord chasteneth his children. And so God will chasten his children. Uh, the Bible mentions through exhortation in verse number 5. It mentions to rebuke him. Again, that's one way we can chasten our children. We can chasten them, I believe, with uh, punishment or correction, chastening or scourging, which is... Again, a more harsh punishment. Uh, you read on, it says, if you, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And so God the father chasteneth his children, and fathers chasten their children. It says, but if you be without chastisement, then you are uh, part, where all are partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh that corrected us. And that's something in God does. He corrects us. And our fathers correct us. We gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be in subjection on the Father of spirits and live? For verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. And that's the end. That's the reason again why God would chasten us to help make us holy. And make us what we should be for God. It says, now no chastening 
at the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of the righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands that hang down in the field of the knees, and make straight thy paths of your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Foul peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And so, again, there's another way that we as believers are chastened, and that's chasing the Lord. We suffer chastening of our Father through rebuking and correction and uh, chastening. And, and again, the Bible mentions, again, even scourging and chastening. Every child of God will suffer some chastening by the Lord that will lead them to a more holy behavior or towards holiness and uh, righteousness. Verse 11 says, The peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so we suffer as children of God through the chastening of God that leads us to a better place. It's for our profit, the Bible mentions there. And so we suffer through chastening. Uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. There's another area that we sometimes find ourselves finding uh, suffering from. And again, I just mentioned here in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, we suffer, I believe, sometimes because of our past or present sowing. And uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now that's good if you're sowing good stuff. If you're sowing good stuff, you're going to see a reaping of good stuff. And every man's going to reap someday. The Bible says he shall reap that which he has sowed. But what if you've sown bad seed or have a past that, again, was bad? Or you, again, were involved with maybe, and again, I'm not saying this in particular of anybody, but I'm just saying, what if you were a smoker before? You may suffer even after you become a Christian because of the smoking you did before. You may suffer because of the drinking you did before. You may suffer because of the immorality you were involved with before. The sins of the past, the sowing of the past, may sometimes cause us to suffer. And uh, the sowing of the present can cause us to suffer. And so I just want to mention uh, our sowing uh, will be reaped. And so... The Bible says there in verse number 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So be involved with the well-doing, and you'll reap a good harvest. But past sowing can cause us to suffer, but past and present sowing can also cause us to reap a good harvest. And then let's turn over to Acts chapter 9. There's a fifth reason, and I'm going to look at five here tonight. There's more reasons than that for suffering, but these are some main ones, some major ones why we suffer or other people suffer or why uh, believers might suffer. Acts chapter 9 here, verse number 1 and verse number 2. We also suffer sometimes simply for just being a Christian. Oh, it's here in Acts chapter 9, verse number 1. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul sought to persecute Christians. Didn't matter how old they were or who they were in general. It says men or women, he would 
find them, imprison them, put them in prison. Today and in the past and throughout all history, as far as Christianity is concerned, Christians have suffered simply for being a Christian. Even being a Christian sometimes by name only. Saul was bound. He was in prison. Saul later on was in a position, again, where he was bound and he was in prison. He was beaten and he was uh, beaten with rods and nearly every Christian in the first century especially was persecuted. I, I can't say nearly everyone, but I would say a, a good portion of them uh, suffered persecution. The whole church of the church of Jerusalem suffered persecution. And it mentions here people going to uh, Damascus, again, to look for people there that were Christians to persecute there. You want to hear about persecution today? You can read a, an article, The Voice of the Martyrs, and you can find about Christian suffering today. Samaritan Ministries, again, sometimes will talk about people suffering. Again, uh, their newsletter. Uh, the Religion of Peace website can talk about, you could find lots of different things on how radical Muslims are persecuting Christians by any kind of Christian name here today. And so sometimes we'll suffer just by being a Christian. Let's turn to Acts chapter 12. You don't have to be a true Christian. You can even be a nominal Christian. You can be a, a Coptic Christian. You can be a Catholic Christian, a Baptist Christian. You can be... Someone, again, who's maybe even pagan slash Christian. And you could be, again, uh, even killed today, depending on what country in the world you're in today. Acts chapter 12, verse number 1, it says, And about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So James killed by Herod the king. Goes on, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also, then were the days of unleavened bed, and when they had apprehended him, they put him in prison and delivered him four quintillions of soldiers to keep him, attending after Easter to bring him before the people. And so I just want to mention again some reasons why we, again, suffer because of past faults, sometimes for right or righteous stance or righteousness, sometimes because of the chastening of the Lord, sometimes because of past or present sowing, Something, sometimes just simply being a Christian or a person of faith. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I think sometimes we forget that Christians, many Christians down through time have suffered. And some suffered a lot just by being numbered with the people of God. That's a choice that Moses decided on fact it says that in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24 it said by faith Moses when he had come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season chose to suffer instead of choosing pleasure he had a choice before him being an Egyptian and have pleasure in his life and pain in the life to come or choose to suffer affliction in his life and have Again, comfort in the life to come. He chose the right thing. Look at verse number 35. It says, And women received their dead raised from, to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, 
Moreover, bonds and imprisonments, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about with sheepskins and ghosts as being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens of caves of the earth. Mentions a lot of different things done to believers there. And so we see the reasons for suffering. I want to turn back to our text there in James chapter 5. I want to consider the results of suffering. What does suffering produce? Well, first of all, from this text and throughout the scripture, we'll find that suffering will produce patience or endurance in the believer. James chapter 5 and uh, verse number 10, it says, Take my brethren, the prophets that have spoken unto you the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. These brethren, the prophets, they suffered affliction and patience. They had both of them. They gained patience. They suffered affliction. And so I believe the results, again, of suffering will allow for us to have a patience and gain patience. In fact, it says there in verse 11, Behold, we count them happy that endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. How he had seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. And so mentions Job here. We could look at the life of Job. Uh, Job endured suffering, extreme suffering, the trying of Satan, the trouble that, uh, again, sickness, uh, trouble from his family, trouble from his friends, dealing with, again, suffering loneliness, suffering, again, isolationism to a large degree, suffering affliction simply by doing right. Romans chapter 5, let's turn over there. What's, what's good? What's good about suffering? What does it produce? Well, it produces patience. And uh, there's something we have need of. The Bible says, ye have need of patience, the Bible says. All of us need patience, and suffering helps produce patience. And troubles and trials lead us toward patience. Job chapter 5 in verse number 3, it says, And not only so, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations or tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope, and hope making not ashamed. But tribulations, the Bible says, worketh or produces patience. And so God, again, has allowed for suffering to produce patience in the prophets and in Job and in every person that's tried in the area of suffering. And so let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 8. I want to say this. Secondly, uh, the results of suffering patience. Uh, uh, Suffering is, first of all, patience. The second result of suffering uh, will become more like, I believe, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. Every person, we have specifically cases where we think about what happened with uh, Joseph and his his brothers made him more like Jesus uh, through the suffering he experienced. Jacob, he became more like Christ through the suffering he experienced. Isaac, through the suffering he experienced, became more like Christ. Daniel, you can go down the list. Ruth, whoever it might be. Esther, they became more like Christ through the suffering they experienced. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, verse number 29, it says, And you know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become conformed 
to the image of a son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so I believe, again, these events, happenstances, again, tribulations, trials, etc., sicknesses, sometimes diseases that come our way can help produce in us uh, being, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You know, someone might have uh, some struggles when it comes to maybe, uh, you know, maybe thinking along the lines of other people when it comes to suffering or uh, understanding what it's like to suffer in different areas of life. How do we get to being more understanding? How do we get to a place where we can um, weep with those that weep and understand, again, the trials and tribulations of life by experiencing them? Notice here, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 4, it says, it says of God, it says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we were ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth in Christ. And whether we be in affl afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual and enduring of the same suffering, which we also suffer, or whether you be, we be comforted, it is for your consolation and your salvation. And so we experience suffering so we can help other people as they experience suffering. We can console people that are going through similar sufferings. The Bible mentions uh, in verse number four, to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort where if we are comforted ourselves. Someone says you have to experience the exact trouble. No, you don't have to experience the exact trouble. You need to experience some trouble to be able to comfort others that experience trouble. And so, again, we experience trouble so that we can be more like the sun. We can uh, be in a position where we can comfort those that need comfort. That's what the sun does. We can challenge those to go forward in faith like the sun does. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We can be more like Christ through suffering. We can forgive like the Lord forgives through times where we experience suffering and then we need to turn around and forgive those who have maybe done something against us. Again, we can be more forbearing by being in situations sometimes where we need to forbear and, and deal with situations that we have to be in, in positions where we have to suffer along with people. First Peter uh, chapter 4 here, verse number 12, it says there, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. And so what's another reason, again, or a result of suffering? It, it strengthens our faith. Let's look at chapter 5. We've looked at this verse in this series before. Verse number 10, chapter 5, verse number 10, it says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And so why suffering is to strengthen our faith. We would very, we'd be very weak in faith if we didn't go through any times of suffering or tribulation. And then back to James there, chapter 5 there. James chapter 5, why do Christians suffer? Suffer, I believe it's to lead us to pray. Lead us to pray. You know, Christians, just like 
anybody else. It can be people that pray or don't pray. And again, I believe, again, suffering will lead us to pray. Tribulation will lead us to affliction, sickness. All these kind of things will lead us to pray. It says there in verse number 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any among you afflicted? That's suggesting that there probably are some of us that are afflicted. We are to pray. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders and let them play over him. And so not only should we pray, again, if we're afflicted, but we should also, in times of affliction, sometimes encourage others to pray for us. Here it mentions the elders or pastors to pray for someone, again, maybe in the church that needs prayer, and mentions, again, anointing him with oil, etc. And again, I believe there are medicinal, medicinal things that oil can do. And along with prayer together, they can help. And that mentions there, in verse number 15, the prayer of faith shall save the, the sick. Uh, that could be the faith of you. That could be the faith of a pastor. That could be a faith of anyone. The prayer of faith can heal, uh, can save or heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise them up. If he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's a lot about prayer in James chapter 5. And so, again, I believe, again, suffering leads us to prayer which leads to God's deliverance. And that leads to the final point, the result of prayer, uh, the result, again, of Christian suffering is not only leads people to pray, but leads people to a place where they can give glory to God as a result of their healing. Uh, we can look at Lazarus and that sort of thing in the book of John. We'll not do that here tonight, but in John chapter 11, Lazarus was raised from the dead to bring glory to the Lord. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 25. What does suffering sometimes lead us to? I believe depending on how, how difficult it is and how hard it is as far as the suffering that one goes through, it can lead to a tenderizing of the, the heart. Uh, Psalm 25 and uh, verse number 4, it says, Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art my God, the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait. Yeah, it says there, and then verse number, let's see, I'm looking for, and then uh, Psalm 25, verse number 4. Well, that's not quite what I was looking for. It must be around here. But uh, basically, again, sometimes I believe, again, the, the things that happen in our life, the suffering that happens in our life, uh, tenderizes the heart, makes my heart soft, and again, uh, makes your heart soft. And uh, again, when we go through affliction, it leads us to the Lord. Uh, verse 15 and 16, it says, My eyes are toward the Lord, for he uh, shall pluck my feet out of the net, turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged, O bring me out of my distress, look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they have hated me with a cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. And so why, again, do we have suffering? What's the good result of suffering? It will lead towards us uh, to a better place spiritually. It will lead us to praying. It will lead us to a place where we can give glory uh, to the Lord. 
Let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 12. Even in, in uh, we'll just look at this quickly here. Hebrews chapter 12, even in uh, places where we are chastened of the Lord, redirected in a pathway that he'd want us to be in, and uh, put in a place where we uh, find ourselves in a place of chastening. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 11, uh, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. And so nobody says, hey, I'm excited about being chastened of God. It doesn't seem joyous but grievous. Uh, Nevertheless, afterward yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. And so I believe suffering can lead to a spiritual healing of sort. We can be guided into the truth. We can be guided into a place of holiness and righteousness before God. And even with chastening, or God chases his children for their profit, it can lead them to a better place in the end, even if it means suffering uh, under the hand of a chastening Lord. All right. So why chastening? We looked at five reasons why Christians suffer. Uh, we looked at uh, because of past faults. Uh, we suffer because of right or righteousness. We, uh, again, suffer sometimes because of the chastening of the Lord, our Father. We chase it because of past or present sowing. Sometimes we suffer because of simply being a Christian. The results are to try us, to produce patience in us and endurance in us, to make us more like the Son, to strengthen our faith, to lead us into prayer, and lead us to a place where we can bring glory to the Lord.